Welcome to our classroom. In this space, we talk about education, which is inclusive of, but not limited to, what happens in schools. Education is taking place whenever and wherever we are willing to learn. I am your host, Roberto Germán, and our classroom is officially in session. Welcome back to another episode of Our Classroom. In this episode, we are talking about removing the stigma with J.D. Fuller. J. Denise Fuller is an African-American licensed social worker who has over 25 years of experience as a mental health clinician, educator, writer, and consultant. J.D. earned a Master of Social Work from the renowned Smith College School of Social Work. She is an adjunct professor, an abolitionist, and a truth teller. JD is an advocate for equity, inclusion, and speaks out against inequality. She is passionate about changing the narrative. With us today, JD Fuller. Welcome back to our classroom, folks. Yes, we have Jay Denise Fuller with us today, and we're going to be talking about mental health, very important topic. Some of us don't talk about it enough. And so we are going to dig in, especially as it relates to folks of the global majority. So eager to learn from Jay Denise Fuller, who is a therapist, among many other things. <laughs> uh, just a, a person who has many talents and, and serves people in a multitude of ways. Uh, mentioned that. She's a therapist in private practice, also an adjunct professor and school counselor, as well as consultant and trainer and a podcast host. Changing the narrative, folks. If you don't know, go and check it out because it's a dope podcast, getting into heavy topics, really unpacking it, um, getting real, having real conversations about things that are packing us in our society and so we need to hear from folks like jay denise fuller because we learn a lot from folks like jay denise fuller so thank you for being here absolutely and i learn a lot from you and what you're doing uh multicultural classroom is amazing i love your lens your focus your ability your talent so it's mutual brother thank you thank you there's a lot of synergy in our work so i appreciate learning from you hearing from you seeing what you're doing and I'm I'm interested to to hear a bit about you and what led you to this line of work, the mental health field. And to be honest with you, I, I don't know a lot of black folk. I actually I don't know a lot of folks of color in the mental health field. I, I know a handful, but I don't know a ton. So I'm glad that I know you and <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm excited about the work that you're doing because you could speak into mental health from a lens that relates to my experience mm. and you know we don't we don't always necessarily get that that's not necessarily the options when we're looking at like hey if you're going through your health insurance and these are the folks who are available or even if you're not going through your health insurance and you're looking like hey you know where is there a therapist that i could talk to who's gonna understand the lens of what i'm living through so Let's uh let's start with you sharing a bit about yourself and what led you to this line of work. Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I, I always say to uh, <clears throat> students that I teach and to clients, don't get it twisted. 
therapist didn't wake up one day and say, oh, I, I want to be a therapist just because it's fun. We've had our own mental health challenges in our lifetime, whether it's trauma, exposure to trauma, communities of, of, of color who have been in trauma or come from families that are dysfunctional. I don't know anybody who doesn't come from some dysfunction in their life. Therapists are people who tend to think, I want to teach somebody what I didn't have access to. I want to be a part of someone finding the truth within themselves that I didn't find early enough. And in terms of, of people of color, people from the global majority, you know, we, we haven't really had access to even understand the depths of mental health, particularly in, in academia, because we're taught through a white Eurocentric lens. So there's additional exploration you have to do if you truly want to become, you know, a, a clinician who has cultural competency. So that, that took me to wanting to become a therapist, but then wanting to teach other therapists about how to do therapy. And then realizing, my goodness, there's so much that people who are licensed and professionally in the field don't know. So that's when I started consulting other clinicians, both white body clinicians and, and clinicians from the global majority who desire to understand an anti-racist lens through a clinical uh, process and, and learn to decolonize mental health. That's really the focus these days. That's what we're truly excited about. And then in terms of podcasting, you know, I saw a niche, you know, uh, it just sort of identifying people on social media who I want to elevate. I just want to share their story and what they do because I think it's important. And so that's the focus there. And then uh, as far as my private practice, I try to do things like provide people an opportunity for an experience to collaborate with a clinician who has lots of years of experience, but also wants to help you find your journey and not create your journey for you. So that's pretty much how I got to do what I do. That's amazing. That's amazing. So I, I want to talk about stigma that we know exists. And, and while things mm -hmm. seem to be gradually changing, there remains yeah. a stigma as it relates to mental health amongst people of the global majority. What does, mm -hmm. or not what, but where does that stigma come from? And why does it remain a present barrier? Yeah. So all things that were inherited in the global majority are from white supremacy. Let's just wrap that up like that. Um, therapy was set up as something that we shouldn't have access to. It's very normalized in white body communities and something that was elusive and sort of kept away from us. And in terms of understanding both mental health and medical health, you know, we have not had a lot of um, positive experiences historically with medical health and mental health. We've been um, used as subjects for testing. We've been pathologized in a way that is inhumane. So there's so many reasons why it's a, it's been a stigma in our community. Now, in terms of of changing that, I think there's I think there's been a lot. There's been a lot of of uh, resources and opportunities to shift the narrative. But you know who also colludes with white supremacy? Actually, perpetuates white supremacy. Insurance companies. Insurance companies mm, perpetuate oh, white supremacy. Talk about it. Talk about it. So so when you think about okay, we not only have have to understand it through a multicultural lens and decolonization of something we haven't had access to, but then we have to overcome the barrier of insurance because, you know, they don't pay clinicians anything. I mean, it is embarrassing what clinicians get paid. And so many of us just don't even opt to go through the rigor of getting on insurance panel panels to get paid nothing, which then makes it more difficult for people of the global majority to just find a therapist. Now, thank goodness for resources like people I've had on the podcast, you know, Inclusive Therapist um, is one of those platforms that tries to help 
people who don't know how to find a therapist find a therapist. And that's wonderful. And in terms of my own individual process, if I, if I can't do the service myself, I'm going to try to help you find someone. So I think it's, it's a matter of linkage and understand what a person's need is and not making it so scary. You know, they just, they send you to these platforms that don't cater to our needs and then say, just, just find a therapist. It's not that easy. People don't even know what they're looking for. And it's a huge obstacle to even pick up that laptop or pick up that phone and call someone. We have to make it user-friendly. And that's how we can further destigmatize it. But that is why the stigma is continuing, ongoing. So you you, t- you talked about distrust a little bit, right? So, mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, what, what do you say to folks from the global majority that perhaps need that or would benefit from therapy but are hesitant because of what you just laid out because of the distrust that we've experienced like what what's your what's your pitch what's 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 the argument for why they should do this because okay we know these things come up i've had people tell me the same things in terms of like hey you know they they, they've tested on our bodies and you know these doctors just want to hit us with pills and whatnot what what do we what do we say to folks so it's a matter of, of access, access to education. People need to understand that our bodies are telling us what we need. And when you're having high blood pressure, sleepless nights, um, anger issues, you know, sadness that feels like it won't go away, those are indications that you need to check out resources, ask questions, talk to people. You have to become your own advocate, both in your medical health and in your mental health. When somebody, when you vibe with somebody, you know it. You know, and I'll tell clients right off the bat, I'm not for everybody. You know, I have a couple of different modalities I use and it may not be for you. But what I will tell you is the truth about what I see as an observer, as a witness to your process. Now, if, if people are educated about that and understand that not every therapist matches with every person, then I think it makes it less scary in one degree. And then as far as, as the other level that you talk about, which is how do we convince people? If people listen to their bodies, they know they need more than what they're doing. Right. There's exercise, there's eating healthfully, there is um, spirituality, absolutely. There's learning for yourself and reading. But we, we all need a mentor in something. We all need help finding a way. Whether you think it's your minister um, and, and he or she can lead you part of the way, there might be other parts that aren't met. And they, people need to be open to the idea that there is help out there, but you have to be willing to find the help or let someone help you find the help or to understand that help comes in many different forms. Does that make sense? That does. That does make sense. You. All right. Let's talk about disparities because Mm -hmm. you, you mentioned something earlier that alluded to to disparity because mental health wasn't meant to be accessible to our people. Mm -hmm. And so well, what are some concerns that you have as it relates to disparities in mental health treatment and what can be done to address these disparities? I mean, you've already started talking about it, but let's let's mm-hmm. go deeper on that. I'll give you I'll give you a quick story. So I was on social media and there's this therapist page and I don't know, I think I started a conversation about white supremacy and racism and mental health and this white gentleman says, um, well, I don't see race. I just do therapy with whomever. And I told him you shouldn't be doing therapy with brown and black bodies because if that's your take, it comes from white supremacist lens and our community should not be accessible to you. That's where I want brown and black bodies to know 
if somebody starts talking like that to you, if somebody starts saying something that doesn't validate your story and your experience, if they don't have a language for racial trauma, run, run, <laughs> run, report them, get out and find someone else. It's the reason why many people believe that people from the global majority should see people from the global majority in therapy. That, that there are people who are firm believers in that. And I understand why. If someone's not willing to question their whiteness and their ownership of white supremacy and racism, that's problematic in and of itself. So there are cues to what you're looking for and how you find it. But you need to know, not everybody who, you know, hangs a shingle, it has your best interest at heart. And I think what happens, Roberto, is that when we... When our bodies break down, when our, when our minds feel like, okay, I have to go see somebody, there's a level of desperation. And what happens at that level of desperation, you'll see anybody. You'll, you'll look up on that insurance and you'll see somebody, you'll grab them, you'll go see them. You're not interviewing them. You're not asking them the right questions. What is your stance on, on this political belief that I have? Or what is your stance on white supremacy? If they can't answer you straight out, again, run for the door. So there's techniques that you can use to find out if somebody's a good fit, but we also have to understand not everybody who went to school believes that all bodies are equal and there is inequitable practices in society and they're not educated about the depths to which that occurs. Mm. That's good, that's good. Interviewing the therapist before you even get started. Yeah, that's probably something that most people don't necessarily do, but it makes yeah. sense to come in come in and establish that clarity, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, if, if someone isn't speaking your language, you need to find out right away. You know, what happens a lot of time, like I said, when people are desperate to feel better, they'll go to a doctor or, or a therapist or, a, you know, a psychiatrist, a psychologist, and they'll think, just, just make it go away. And there's a couple of things people need, under, need to understand. Psychiatry is about medicine. They're going to help you with um, maybe the chemical imbalances, um, some deep symptoms that are so deep you need some help to just stabilize them so you can do the work. Psychologists are often not trained in psychotherapy. They're often trained in testing, and they know about psychotherapy because they went to school, but they're not trained in how to do psychotherapy. But they get a lot of props because they have the doctor in front of their name. Mm. And, you know, there are some who absolutely know, but there are many who don't know the intricacies of psychotherapy. And then there are psychotherapists like myself. We are trained in how to have therapy. I went to an anti-racist institution or at least an institution that wanted to be anti-racist. It failed in some <laughs> ways, but at least they had the intention. The outcome might not have been as accurate, but but the intention was there, which sure. at that time meant something, now not so much. But you know, you gotta know where people went to school, what they study, what they believe in. And, 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 and I suggest people go before they get to that desperate point because then you have the space to do some of the work to find out, is this the best fit for me? I think that's a super important piece that's often missed. What are some other things that folks can do proactively? Because you're mm -hmm. mentioning going before they get to that desperate place. But yeah. what, are, what are some things that people can just make part of their regular practice yeah. That yeah. to help them maintain a, a good approach to their own mental health? Exercise is so important. I, I mean, I cannot tell you. It's one of it's one of the most important things that I think people can do for themselves. You know, their mind, their body. Not everybody has to have the same body or level of fitness. And this isn't about body shaming. It's about getting your, your blood pumping and your heart going and the endorphins jumping in a way that you haven't felt. It, it wakes you up in a way that's super important to your own mental health. It's not just physical, it's also mental. 
And then journaling is so important. Again, it's just one of those things where when you sit down and, and I'm not talking about on a laptop, I'm talking about, you know, like pen yeah. to paper, you know, when yeah. you sit down, open a pad, <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> when you sit down and open a pad and I, I suggest that people, when they first start, set a timer, set a timer for three minutes. Don't think about what you're writing. Write. Don't even go back to read it. Yeah. Just, 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 just do a free write. Just write. And if you get to five minutes, great. Get to 10 minutes, even better. But to do that as a daily practice allows you to empty out. You know, as people who, who come from racial trauma, we are filled with stuff every day, more and more and more. And that impacts our mental health. It has to. How can it not? And as a result of that, at the end of the day, or even at the start of the day, sometimes it's just important to empty out all that poison, you know, and so that you can start again. You can just have a do-over. And it's not perfect, but it is a practice that helps. Um, so it's exercise, it's um, journaling, and also what we put in our bodies. And I'm not gonna shame any of our cultural foods and how we came by it. I just wanna acknowledge that there are foods that benefit us differently than what we've had access to and learning about that and finding that. Those three things alone can set you on the path to something different. That's good, that's good. So exercise, journaling, and then identifying the right foods that could better mm -hmm. benefit your body. Excellent. And there's all, there's also the spiritual practice, right? It's whatever you believe in, higher power, lower power, whatever you want to call it, whatever you believe in, to just believe in something outside of yourself, I think is beneficial as well. So I'd add that to it as well. All right. So the spirituality element as a fourth. Mm -hmm. So what what are three action steps and we could take now to help destigmatize mental health among people of the global majority. Talk about it. We don't have to be strong. We don't have to be resilient. Strong means that we can lift a million pounds and not fall. Resilient means you can keep knocking me down and I'm going to get up, shake it off and start again. We, we have to give back all of that language that the oppressor has taught us that we must be. We don't have to be black excellence, brown excellence. We can just be us. We have to give back the language they gave us to perpetuate, um, to keep perpetrating us and to perpetuate this belief. No matter what we do to them, they're going to come back. I think that's that's like, that's an antecedent. That That's a priority. That's a prerequisite for us to consider. Just realize we're human beings. We've been through a lot. Your children are going to go through a lot because you went through a lot. It's important that we start to validate that for each other and talk about mental health in a way uh, so that it doesn't sound like it comes from white bodies. Our mental health matters to us. That's what we need to consider. Talking about it, making it user-friendly. When people tell me on the show, you know, I go to therapy, I, I pause and celebrate them because it's hard to acknowledge that, but it shouldn't be hard. That's what makes me sad. It shouldn't be hard and it shouldn't mm -hmm. be a surprise. It should be like, oh, cool. Where'd you get your therapist? I like, I'd like to talk about mine. Yeah, that's yeah. It's it's interesting to think about how normal or not that conversation is, right? In our respective circles. Yeah. Um, and even mm -hmm. even as I think about my own experience, like I've encouraged folks to do therapy at times, and then there's been moments where someone has encouraged me to go to therapy, and I'm like. Eh. Mm. you know and it's yeah. just it's not because i don't value it it's just one of those things i'm like oh wait a second like i'm i'm also caught up in the trap of like hey 
I don't need that. So, so wait, so your language is, is really important there. Need. I don't need, right? We're so used as a people of not getting what we need that we get into and adapt to the idea of survival. I have, I have what I have. I don't need this and I don't need that. It's not about need. It's about deserve. You deserve mm. to have a space of your own to process things that maybe you don't want to burden your partner with because they're also from the global majority and they're also carrying their own stuff. And it's, it's hard to have healthy relationships in our community because white supremacy has told us we don't deserve them. And so when we have them, they're deeply challenged by a historical context of pain and punishment and how the system has taught us to turn on each other. It's so deep, the pain from which we have emerged that we have to understand that every obstacle and barrier is out there for us to fail ourselves emotionally and in terms of our relationships. And the way to find your way through it is to seek support and mentoring you know, as an opportunity to see something different. Be around people who have healthy relationships who are elders or have relationships who are elders. Look at what they've done. Consider what you can do differently. Consider having somebody support you in the process of learning how to love differently. That's what therapy is about. It's not what you need. It's what you deserve. Hmm. That's a good framing. That's a good framing. And what you just laid out, right? Because most of the times we think of therapy as going to meet with the licensed person or whatnot. But you just laid out a couple elements that are like, oh, this is a kind of broader approach to therapy, mm -hmm. a more holistic approach, if you will. And particularly when you're yeah. mentioning the elders, you know, elders and mentors and connecting with them, mm -hmm. following that as a way to um, receive yeah. the therapy that you deserve. Look, we come from collective communities. It's a village. It's never one. You can have a therapist, you can have a mentor, you can have a coach, and you can have an elder. You can have a minister. The, you know, it's a community to help us uh, thrive. You know, I no longer even adapt to the language of survive. Survive means I'm hanging on by one hand, hoping not to let go. Thrive to me means I'm putting one step in front of the other consciously, and I'll keep moving forward to the best of my ability. And when I can't, I'm seeking support because that's what my community is about. And so I think we have to think of it more as a collective, collaborative approach because that's what our, our ancestors have taught us. We come from cultures that are about community. And so as a result of that, we need to stay in community. That's what's key. Yeah, maybe that's maybe that's what I was missing in terms of why I was just like, nah, I don't, I, you know, I, again, I'm using the term need. Um, mm -hmm. But like, what you're saying now, I did not consider when I was saying like, nah, I, I'm going to sit this one out because I have these other elements in place. You know, I have, right. I have accountability partners. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I have my, um, you know, pastor who I can talk to about different situations. I, I have elders in my life. I mean, my father was one of them, but he passed away. It'll be a year next week. But I have other I individuals who are elders in my life that I've received good counsel from. Right. You know, I have my mother that I could talk to and receive good counsel. So I, I have a lot of pieces in place right. uh, within my my community. And I've seen some therapists in the past. Eh, mm -hmm. uh, they've been okay. They, mm -hmm. They've been okay. But it's 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 helpful to think about it in the way you're framing it and thinking about it based on like 
our experience, how we experience community, right? In this mm -hmm. collect collective manner. Thank you for framing that. Yeah. And I would just add that, you know, I, I really think that one of the things that I've heard so many black and brown body people say is, I don't need therapy. I'm not crazy. What what is what is crazy? What's crazy look like? Mm. Sometimes I feel crazy. Crazy, crazy can be the person walking down the street next to you, whatever it is, whatever you imagine crazy to be. It's not just the homeless person who is um, hearing voices. That That's not crazy. That's underserved. That's underserved and that is forgotten. That's not crazy. Just mm -hmm. like poverty has been criminalized. No, poverty is poverty and it causes criminal behavior, but, but poverty should not be criminalized. And so mental health is not because you need it. It's just because it's beneficial to speak to someone who has gone through the training and doesn't have the subjectivity of the rest of your community. It's an objective space, ideally, for you to process things in a way that offer what I paid for in terms of education, which can augment the rest of what you have in your community, not replace it. That's good. That's good. All right. We're not, we're, we're not going to stay stuck on me and, and my um, therapeutic, <laughs> therapeutic uh, barrier. <laughs> barrier, yes. Um, all right. So what are three action steps that did I ask you this question? I'm losing it yeah. now. We, you know, we were. Yeah. No, we, we got deep. We got okay, deep. Okay, okay, man. Yeah, I got that. So you, you know, you. This is like a therapy session, a free therapy <laughs> session for me. This is good. This is good. I so try. Making me lose my questions here. Okay. All right. Um, if you had the opportunity to have lunch with anybody that are alive to discuss the state of mental health in this country and what could be done to improve it. Who would that be and why? Saw that question, man. It stuck me when I saw it and it's sticking me now. <laughs> it tripped me up when you said mental health. Yeah. I don't I don't know. I mean, I don't I don't it doesn't have to be a mental health practitioner. Okay. But the but the conversation <laughs> during lunch would be about mental health. Okay. I, it's interesting because when you said alive, someone I would talk to, obviously it's the people I've studied under, you know, Dr. William Cross and not under, I wish I had, but their literature I use, you know, it's people like that who started looking at uh, therapy through a multicultural lens. So there's many of, of those people. This, this is why I, I got to ask this question because I don't know who all these people are. So, yeah. you know, you, you're my teacher right now. I'm learning yeah. and, you know, I got to write this down. I got to look them up. Yeah, for sure. He's definitely one of them. Um, but but I, I say the other person who's not no longer here, who is tattooed on my arm, who's just been everything to me is Malcolm X. Mm. Um, just so ahead of his time. You know, he was talking about mental health before we understood the, you know, the the depths of mental health. I mean, he was just on another level with uh with understanding a spirituality that was connected to mental health in a way that I still don't think we fully understand. He was just amazing. I will forever be grateful for his biography that I've read twice and just constantly, I, I channel him all the time. I definitely do. I interviewed Jamila Dugan not too long ago and she she had mentioned Malcolm X as one of the individuals that, that she would have lunch with. Yeah, man. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, that's great. So, Denise, what is your message of encouragement to our listeners? 
Yeah. Look, it is what white supremacy does not want us to have. It is community. They, you know, like Paulo Ferrer said, the oppressor will toss a crumb in the middle of an oppressed population and watch you fight for that crumb. Mm. Um, take it out of the other oppressed person's mouth. The global majority is the global majority. We need to realize the larger part of our community. Yes, we have our individual collective experiences, but as a global majority, we can take this thing away and they know it. That's why they're stressing. Mm. That's why all of this higher level oppressive systemic actions are being taken because they know when we figure out we are not the enemy of each other, then all this changes. The narrative does really change for good. So I just wanna encourage us to see each other in another light, see us all as the larger community and begin to act as such. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, community is important, communities of the essence. And we definitely need to kick down the walls of division and, and come together. So thank you for that encouragement. Well, can, can I add one more thing? Remember, oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, the thing that's been most pressing on my mind is hearing that that black chief of police talk about this most recent murder mm. um, that I know will be, you know, unfortunately there'll be more before, you know, the show is aired. But just to think of that, because it was done by these four or five black officers to hear her say, you know, this is not about racism. Just mm. hear that come out of a black person's mouth was was crazy to me, you know, because it's always about white supremacy and racism. And these black officers thought they were living in a blue life. Mm. And that is nothing but racism. Mm. So the fact that the media has grabbed hold of it, you know, so many white bodies are putting it out there. See, it's not about racism. These bad, bad policemen, you know, there are good cops. My theory is if there were good cops, there would be no bad cops. Mm. So when you think about that, because if they're that far and few between, it's a problem in the system in and of itself. And that's what we need to consider. White supremacy is the enemy. And we need to just wrap ourselves around that, buckle up, you know, put our arms in each other's and be ready to move forward. That's what it takes. Mm. Yeah, that's, um, I don't know. I don't. I just don't have many words left. But there to, aren't any words. You know, like, yeah. like it's, it's a broken record. It's pain. It's, you know, people say, you know, I no longer use language about healing. There is no healing. How do you heal when the wound keeps being, you know, dug into, ripped apart? There, there is no healing. Hmm. Most we can hope for is, you know, put the antiseptic in and, and continue to have that motivate us to fight for harder, you know, push further. Because healing is a myth as far as I'm concerned, at least when it comes to racial trauma, for sure. Mm. Yeah, there's um, there's so much work, so much work to do. And there's, I think that we have a lot of, well, I mean, and this is not new, right? There's, no. there's, there's more tension ahead of us to continue to wrestle with in order to confront these systemic issues that are impacting our community, right? Like yeah. there's there's no other way around it. You know, in, in order to get to a better place, we're going to have to continue to fight. We're going to have mm -hmm. to continue to go into the battle, um, right? How, however, we're defining that. Um, yeah. Whether in words or policy or physically, or you know, the, 
there's a number of different ways that we can look at the notion of battle, but clearly we need to continue to go into battle because yeah. we're not safe out here. We are not safe. We're not safe out here, right? And uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to dig deeper into the chief of police comments, you know, like to, I, I'd want to ask her like, Hey, you know, like when you say that, what, what, what's your thinking behind that? Like, how is this disconnected? You know, what, why is there a disconnect here for you? You know, why are we able to see that this is tied to white supremacy? All right. Mm -hmm. And you're not, you know, or you're just choosing not to yeah. use that language or not to identify it as yeah. such or or also like oh because they were black cops then that's just you know mm -hmm. then that's becomes the argument for like nah this is not you know they're black cops you see it's not white supremacy they're black cops right right look i, I think as long as we fight for seats at the table that weren't meant for us this is the kind of rhetoric we'll hear we're here we will hear right so in other words she wants to keep her job capitalism you know and racism i mean they are you know, first, first cousins, step siblings, they are together in this. And so one can't function without the other. And so she has to keep the money coming in and she's not going to keep the money coming in by talking about what white supremacy is and, and what it looks like. It's blue. Hmm. Well, there's your message of encouragement, people. <laughs> <laughs> Keep fighting. That's the message of encouragement. Keep fighting. Keep fighting. Yes. Keep fighting and keep growing in community. You know, look, the reason why I'm really getting a kick out of being a counselor in a school now is because these young minds, just like you, right? We have an opportunity to offer them something that they didn't have before I showed up, maybe, and before you showed up. And so that that's where the hope comes in. Yes. Find young people and impress upon them something you didn't get when you were younger. Mm. Yeah, right. Which you mentioned earlier mm -hmm. in terms of part of what led you into this line of work, you know, yes. and, and what what many therapists do. Right. Right. Try yes, to absolutely. teach you something that you didn't have or give you access to tools that you didn't have. So, mm -hmm. yeah, we appreciate you. Appreciate you, yeah. Denise. For, for folks that want to learn more about you, more learn more about your work understand mm -hmm. uh, your lens as a mental health practitioner, where can they follow you? You know, I'm on, uh, probably the best way to get my handles is through Linktree, J. Denise Fuller on Linktree, change the narrative, take out the A, and uh, put a little dash after that change, <laughs> the dash narrative on, you put that in there, you're going to find me, and then change the narrative with J.D. Fuller podcast. Yeah. And you also have a YouTube channel with all your episodes up there. So folks, yeah. you could check out the YouTube channel. And, yeah. You know, I'm not too active on I'm not too active on Twitter, but I do put uh things on TikTok. I do put episodes on TikTok, but I probably say Insta is probably the most the place I'm most active with my immediate thoughts, but I also have a couple articles on Medium and uh Facebook. I mean, I try to just spread myself around a little bit so I can have access to people. Indeed, indeed. Well, continue doing the great work that you're doing, putting out this content for us to dig in. Uh, again, very helpful to be able to dig into your insight as a mental health practitioner, person of color, having, you know, understanding 
our experience, but also being trained, uh, mm-hmm. being trained and anti-bias, anti-racist approach. And so thank you. Thanks for what you're doing. Thanks for training up others, um, other counselors, other therapists to, to be able to come into this work with that similar approach, similar lens, similar spirit. And so encourage you know that you have a supporter, uh, not just in me, but here in what we do with Multicultural Classroom. Uh, we're always, always checking out your content and, um, you know, grateful, grateful for what you bring to the table. Well, I, I hope you know that mutual respect, you know, we, we call it some healthy narcissistic mirroring when we can reflect the positivity and the messages and empower each other. It matters, man. Community matters. It really does. So I feel the exact same about what y'all are doing and and, and look to you for insight that I may have, may not have, and try to put my perspective on it, mix it all up, see what we come out with. So it's all good. I value you and what you do as well. Thank you so much for having me on today. It meant a lot to me. My pleasure, my pleasure. As always, your engagement in our classroom is greatly appreciated. Be sure to subscribe, rate the show, and write a review. Finally, For resources to help you understand the intersection of race, bias, education, and society, go to multiculturalclassroom.com. Peace and love from your host, Roberto Germán.